I'd like to welcome Zeph Browning to Emron's podcast. This is the first time Zeph is here. He came to Alabama and um, broke a couple of records um, a few years ago. And uh, recently I saw him at Mountain High and then we were, I was drinking beer and discussing and I'm not so about you, but <laughs> I requested him to come to Emron's podcast. Here we are. We're going to make it a two series podcast out of this. First part was just, I wanted you to tell us who you are and um, a lot of my audience probably doesn't know you or if they know you we'd love to hear and uh second part we'll talk about more training welcome to emirates podcast uh jeff uh, tell us about how did you end up at blood rock winning a couple of times here tell us about your your running background running stories well david reached out to me because after 2018 when i won hard rock that's that's my introduction to blood rock was from david reached out to me after hard rock and hard rock got canceled in 2019 due to avalanche stuff he just reached out to anyone that had run that was in the hard rock uh on the entrance list and just said hey i will let you in my race if you come to alabama and i took him up on it i might have been the only one that took him up on it but i came back and ran the race in 2019 like you said set a course record and then came back this year we changed the course and I guess set a new course record. Definitely a harder course, more climbing and a lot slower. My background, you know, like you said, Jeff Browning and some might know me as Bronco Billy. 2022 is my 22nd season of racing ultras. Well, I've lost count of how many ultras I've run, uh, finished. I'm somewhere well over 150 ultras, 4,200s, I think 34 career wins now, 24 of those in 100 milers which puts me second behind the infamous Carl Meltzer for 100-mile wins in the world. So I'm second in the world with 100-mile wins. I am 50 years old, so I've been racing a long time. I'm also an ultra coach and a formerly graphic designer. That's a great introduction, Jeff. How did you end up picking up ultra? You know, Were you a runner growing up or, or just picked up running you know along the way i am a late bloomer i started when i was 38 so just just kind of bring that up so well i grew up in in missouri so in the 80s so uh i played like uh traditional sports in the u.s so baseball basketball football and track really concentrated on football and track Ran the 800 was my main race in track and field in the spring. And then football was really the sport when I was a kid. And it was such a big thing in the 80s. And so I really concentrated on playing football and lifting weights and trying to be the best wide receiver and cornerback I could possibly be. Almost went to smaller college on a scholarship for football, but decided at the last minute not to pursue that and went to a bigger university and University of Missouri where I found mountain biking in 1993. So I got into mountain biking in 93 in the early days of mountain biking, kind of cut my teeth in endurance sports in mountain biking. And it was more a hobby. I raced a little bit for fun, worked at a bike shop during my college years in the early nineties, and then moved to Colorado, you know, chasing a graphic design career in the late nineties, 97 through 99. And Moved to the front range of Denver, mountain biked and climbed, got into climbing there too and backpacked, um, but mainly was a mountain biker and a climber and really enjoyed being in the woods. And so I did dabble in running that whole time. I was probably three day a week or, you know, 30, 40 minutes jog with my dog type of thing to keep my dog from eating the cushions off the sofa or something. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and then my wife and I moved to Bend, Oregon in 2000. My first friend in town, my good buddy Rod, who is a really good ultra runner in his own right, had just started dabbling in ultras. He'd run a few marathons and had just run a 50K trail race and was telling me about this thing called Western States 100. And that was my introduction to ultra running was through him. He kind of really got me turned on to ultra marathons and we decided we wanted to run a hundred miler and I'd never even run a half marathon or a marathon. So I'd run a few 5Ks and 10Ks in 2000, ran a half marathon and the Seattle marathon in November of 20 or 2000. And then I ran my first trail race, 50K, in February of 2001, Hag 50K in the coastal range of Oregon. It was a muddy, really muddy race, but I was hooked. First race, was hooked, uh, loved it. I liked how simple trail running was compared to mountain biking because mountain biking, you, you have to worry about flat tires and broken chains and lubing everything and making sure <laughs> your ears running right. It sucks if you break down and can't fix on the fly. So I liked the running aspect of how simple and pure trail running was. And once you're fit, you could kind of go the same amount of mileage as you could on a mountain bike. And you were, weren't limited to any trails. You'd go into wilderness areas, you'd go to places that were restricted for biking. You know, by the 2000s, we were definitely seeing some restriction on mountain bike trails you could go on. So it opened up, you know, me to be able to kind of mesh this backpacking and climbing background and mountain biking background together, it, you know, ultra trail running was like kind of that kind of met all the needs of flowing through the woods and climbing mountains in a really fast, light manner. And I really liked that. I liked the training and I really, that's what really kind of attracted me to sport was the training. And then I got kind of hooked and ran my first 50 miler as a, a qualifier for Western States in 2001, late in the summer and got into the lottery in November of 2001 for the 2002 race and got in my first time which is almost unheard of nowadays but back then it was a 50 50 chance of getting in there weren't that many people entering that race That's you know, exactly. think, yeah there were only like six or seven hundred people entering western states back in 2002 so it was really easy to get into as i got in the first year all my friend rod got in uh, another buddy steve got in so we all three ran the first or a hundred K together. And then every, it was kind of every man for himself after that, mm. they were having some GI stress and some, you know, the typical ultra puke. They were a hundred mile or stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I started feeling better. And as the night came on and um, ended up, you know, running sub 24 hours at Western States my first time. And the rest, I, I just got hooked on hundreds and started doing 100 a year, every year. And, you know, then started doing two a year. And then I, in 2014, I started doing four a year, and so the rest is so, kind of history. Definitely, sounds like uh, you hooked at the hundred mile, or almost like uh, when I do, when I started running a marathon, I used to do one or two a year and three, and then became all sixteen or seventeen. A year. <laughs> <laughs> it was like my my schedule was booked, but not hundred mile, but most of them were marathon. I was traveling city to city. Um, but it definitely sounds like lots of, lots of, lots of running, 100 miler. Let's, uh, so much question to ask. Um, tell us about um, how late did you start it um, in, in, when you, you ran your first 100 or ultra, when you started ultra, how late in your life, you know, in your 20s or 30s or? It's been a while. 29 years old is when I started, my, I ran my first ultra and ran my first 100 when I was 30. Definitely. I just recently put out a podcast about uh, 
fear enough for people to fear. And then one other thing you know, I talked about is like just one of the things that's just do head on, you know, go head on. That's one of the things. So I think that's what you did. Um, you know, you didn't run, you, you, you say you didn't run a marathon or a half marathon, you went ultra directly. So, so how was your experience uh, coming from your background from, from a football player to uh, trying to dabble in a, you know, mountain biking, then running. How easy to uh, transition? I think it looked like you transitioned well. Uh, tell us about, so some people like try to, you know, change sports, you know, people like us. So tell us about that. I definitely struggled the first few seasons, like three, the first three or four seasons with like little weird injuries. I had a lot of muscle imbalances from the years of a lot of cycling. So I had some quad to hamstring muscle imbalances where my quads were weaker than my hamstrings. That caused some like teletendinitis and knee, knee, like runner's knee type symptoms. And I had some IT band issues because cyclists tend to have really, really tight hips, even tighter than runners. So I had some IT band issues and stuff like that. So I definitely was working through a lot of stuff, but I finally kind of, got on top of it. I definitely was challenged. I was still on my bike. I probably was only running four days a week and then on my bike a couple of days a week, um, all through that first three or four seasons until about 2000 in the, in the winter off season of 0304 and 0405, I befriended a strength training coach in Bend, Oregon, and he really got me training strength in the winter months for about four months of the winter, I really, I worked out twice a week, full body, heavy weights. I actually put on some weight during that time because I put on quite a bit of muscle, but mm. helped me move, like get over those muscle imbalances. He helped me kind of diagnose and figure out what was going on with the knee tracking and all that. And so I really kind of honed in and fixed those, those muscle imbalances and hip issues with strength training. I'd done a lot of strength training, but it was more like muscle head strength training, like bodybuilder type strength training in, in high school and college for football and then for just lifting weights in, in college, kind of carrying over that mentality from football. Just wanted to be kind of a muscle head. And, but I ended up, you know, really re getting back into strength training pretty hard from like 04, 05 on. From that point forward, I really kind of embraced the strength training factor. I was inconsistent sometimes during the middle of the summer season, you know, but once I turned 40, I, I really got consistent with strength training. And so that really turned things around with the injuries. Definitely. One of the things they say in ultra running is a 40 plus is that your prime years. So you, you peak on those years. Sounds like uh, that's where well, most of your running probably peaked there too. Um, but tell us about uh, your training we talked about, and we, I'd like to put more in the next part when we discuss a little bit more. And when you run, like when you have to train for, um, you know, for earlier years, we're talking about still, let's just focus on that, um, to build up to wherever you, you end up now. How did you build up those training, training, uh, you know, training cycles and for you, um, so so going forward, we'll discuss a little bit later on in the on the on the interview. But I just wanted you kind of want to see some of the first time runners, some first time hundred miler. They're thinking like, I want to dive into hundred miler. How did you train yourself to get ready for your hundred miler first? I think Western State your first one, correct? So yeah, inadvertently, kind of 
did the right thing, luckily, because uh, I'd come to it more socially and from an adventure standpoint than I did from a competitive standpoint, which was probably the best thing I could have done because the first two or three seasons, I was just running easy conversational pace, just building a big aerobic base. And I already had an aerobic base from cycling, but it allowed me to like consistently train high miles. You know, probably my sweet spot back then was probably 30 to 50 miles a week with two days a week of cycling. And so I was only running four days a week during those first probably four seasons. Not until about five seasons in did I start to kind of run more five to six days a week. And for a lot of years, I ran five days a week and one day of cycling and one rest day. Mm -hmm. So I, I just kind of progressed slowly. Once the strength training stuff in 0405 kind of took over, I could handle a little more volume and running and I kind of fixed those muscle imbalances. So I, I quit having so many setbacks where I'd be like train for two months and then I'd have to take three weeks off. And then I'd train for three months and then I'd have to take six weeks off, you know, and be on my bike and cross train and do other things. So um, I really started getting consistent from like uh, 05 on, like 2005 season on, I, I was very kind of just kind of plugged, plugged away at volume about five or six days a week. Some weeks were five days, some weeks were six. One of those days was a bike day sometimes. And I was really quick to back off if I felt like I was fighting something like, oh, my, you know, my knee's a little sore. I would get on my bike for three or four days and like stretch and roll and do things and then like, and get a massage. And then I would like, it would be okay. I go test it, it'd be okay. And then I'd be back to running. So I didn't have, a, I quit having so many setbacks starting in, in those years until about 09. And I had a bad case of plantar fasciitis where it really just, I mean, I was half a season off because of it. I learned a lot about foot health and foot care during that window of time. And I raced mountain bikes during that time off because I needed something to focus on. I'm definitely type A personality and I need to do something. Yeah. So those early days, you know, that it was lower volume. I didn't do a lot of speed work until probably 05, 06. So I was probably four or five seasons into racing before I really like 05 is when I really started racing and started trying to be competitive. The end of 04 really started to kind of start thinking about like intelligent training, meaning not just running all my runs at the same, or, you know, conversational pace, but like starting to think about once a week doing something harder, that kind of stuff. And really got into it in 07, like really started doing speed work, kind of actively doing speed work, you know, strategically in periodization phases. Uh, one of the thing um, I was thinking about uh, for this part of the interview, I was thinking, um, you know, now you, you are a grandmaster runner. That's, uh, you know, that's where we are, you know, our age, you know, I'm, I'm also 50 plus, so our age, we have to think about our body and, you know, in, endurance wise that we, we want to see how far we want to take. Tell us about the difference now you have, I mean, you, I saw you running pretty hard still. So, so you, that hasn't probably changed. The competitiveness hasn't changed, but you know, your body will tell you to slow it down. Do you, have you slowed down? No. Okay. I'm not, I'm not slowing down. I'm not going to yet. Yeah. I really had kind of a, I don't know, you could call it a renaissance in 2000, end of 2015, beginning of 2016. I did kind of a major dietary shift that really helped with recovery and body weight and all those things that you fight when you're in your mid forties, like not being able to get down to race weight like you used to and not recovering quite like you used to. So I, I did kind of a big shift to optimize fat metabolism or OFM, which is basically using a ketogenic diet initially to like 
get fat adapted. So going really low carb and then bringing back strategic carbohydrates around effort and volume later, like after the reset. And then from there, it's just a lifestyle change. So the lifestyle change for me is kind of pretty much avoid the basics is avoid grains and sugar in my everyday diet 90% of the time and still use simple carbs on race day and long runs and then use fruit and starches like potatoes around my training and about around big, bigger training blocks, long run days. And so the carbs are a little higher on those days strategically, but say on a rest day, my carbs might be really low, like 50 to 60 grams a day, you know, like once a week. And then I'll use ketogenic diet strategically here and there, like go to the holidays, eat too much, gain three pounds. I do a seven to 10 day reset of ketogenic and then go back to strategic carbohydrate use. So what we call the OFM protocol and that's just using strategic carbs around your workouts. So that way you top off glycogen as soon as you're done with your workout. So you, you know, eat some extra fruit or potatoes or something like that after the workout. So you top off glycogen, muscle and bone glycogen, get you ready for the next workout. It's easy to maintain body weight, especially for men. It really works. Now, my, my lady athletes, I, I, I train a little differently with diet. We do use a strategic dietary approach, but we use a little more carbs with ladies, but um, I've customized it a little more for the ladies and, and different for the guys. So guys can go a little more chronically low carb longer without messing with their hormones, but you can't go long-term keto. And I, I just want to put that disclaimer out there to anyone who's kind of playing around with it. Long-term keto is not great for an endurance runner. Think of it as a tool in your toolbox, something to use intermittently here and there strategically, but not long-term. And so I want to kind of, I like to always throw that disclaimer out because everyone likes to say, oh, you're, are you a keto athlete? And I don't, I hate that word. <laughs> no, I'm not a keto athlete, but I do use the ketogenic diet. Definitely. looks like a sifting and a diet kind of help you along the way. So Jeff, um, that's a great to kind of segue away from, from here. Um, before we, I finished this part of the interview, um, uh, I just wanted you to mention about um, your ultra sponsor athlete. Tell us about some of those upcoming series. I just recently got Lone Peak 6. I haven't worn it. I just opened the box yeah. and then, and you mentioned a couple of series that are coming up. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I think uh, the Temp 4 is coming out. I've been running, I, my favorite shoe for trail running is Temp 3. That's what I raced Blood Rock in. That shoe is getting a full redesign of the Temp 4 and it's supposed to be out, I believe, March pretty soon it's a good redesign i think those who are geeky on ultra shoes and liked the temp 1.5 a lot of the people that liked the 1.5 didn't like the two and the three so because it was a way different shoe the cut of it the fit of it was way different it fit a a lot differently a narrower foot and a, a lower volume foot i think this will be a happy medium between the two this new redesign so it's a good it's a solid shoe um, it's got some interesting water drain system into the built into the midsole, which I think will be a good feature for wet wet, wet races or creek crossings. Also, the other good shoe that's coming out, I believe in June, right now it's slated for June, is the new Outroad, which is a road-to-trail hybrid shoe. Mm. I'd almost consider it more of a trail shoe, but it runs like a road shoe, so it's very good transition on hard pack road sections, dirt roads, gravel roads, you know, stuff where a lot of times trail shoes don't shine on that kind of surface. Um, if you, those, they tend to feel sometimes a little clunky on, you know, if you got a 
a five, four or five mile section of road in an ultra where you come off the trail and you're in a pretty hardcore trail shoe. It sometimes feels like you're running in bare feet. You know, it's, uh, it's just not that cushiony and it feels a little clunky sometimes. And this shoe does not. Um, it's very, very nice on roads, but it also is a great trail shoe. I ran in a prototype 2021 in, at Hard Rock. It handled Hard Rock fine. So if it can handle Hard Rock's course, I think it can yeah. handle about course it's got a micro lugged out sole it's a more minimal upper it's got good cushion it's a it's about the same ballpark stack height as the temp so it doesn't have a rock plate it's lighter than the temp so it'll be kind of a light in my opinion it's kind of a light fast trail shoe that performs on the road as well so if you're ever you know as a training shoe it's a great shoe for like oh i've got to run you know three or four miles of pavement before i hit trail and then i gotta like hit a you know section through a neighborhood and then pick up another section of trail you know for urban trail type stuff it'd be an amazing shoe but it's also a great shoe for like technical stuff too because it has a micro lug dow sole that it's going to have max track rubber so it'll be pretty sticky rubber um so it'll it'll hold to the trail too even in wet conditions so that's probably the shoe i'm most excited about definitely uh, i'm looking forward to try some of those uh before we close this part of the interview I just want you to give a words of advice to the runners out there who are thinking about dabbling into running ultra distance, uh, 100 miler. Give a words of advice. My words of advice is you don't have to do mega mileage to get ready, but do what I call volume blocks of training. So look at some specific weekends, three, five, seven weeks out from that race where you can do a two to three day block of volume and think of it as progressive volume. So say like a 12, a 15, and a 20 miler in three days, you know, so you're progressively. So the last day you're running a 20 miler with tired legs. So you're going to simulate fatigue or kind of like cumulative fatigue on the legs. Um, Also with nutrition, IV drip of calories. So simplify, don't overeat. Look at about 240 to 260 calories an hour as a ballpark, 600 to 800 milligrams of sodium per liter. Now your drink rate, look at that. Tinker with like your amounts. And your drink rate is going to vary depending on heat and sweat rate. So it's going to be somewhere in a half a liter to a liter an hour. That gives you some ballparks to start with, tinker with, because nutrition, it becomes a huge piece of 100 milers. The other thing I would say, a last little tip I would give to runners who are going to do 100, especially their first, uh, good lights. Um, I like a waist lamp and a headlamp, both. Um, so you, so you have something that's like right around your belt, but where a belt buckle would be, and it's kind of following your hips. That's kind of, uh, lighting up the trail in front of you and casting shadows off the backside of obstacles. So it defines the obstacles. And then the headlamp or the one on your head is more for like scanning ahead and looking for flags and those kind of things. I think that's an important one. And also drip some caffeine through the night. Don't caffeinate the first day and caffeinate into the night. So you don't get too sleepy every two hours. 50 to 80 milligrams of caffeine every two hours tends to be a good ballpark starting range for most people. You figure about a, a milligram of caffeine per kilogram of body weight. So is a good ballpark. I'm, I'm about 63 kilograms. So somewhere in that 60, 60 milligram range is a pretty good sweet spot for me. Those are my tips. Great. That's a great advice. Thanks for all the advice. Uh, 
I need some of those advice and there's a lot of math I need to figure that out but definitely <laughs> I am always suffering even though I have done like 800 miler but I'm always still suffering I'm trying to train for Lake Morton at this time but thanks for uh, this part of the interview 